Hello, Internet, and welcome to Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. We love our Internet friends and are delighted when you come by and share some time with us. Yes, it blesses our hearts when you take the time to appreciate the music and message and song that we share the good news about Jesus in our lives. We are honored that so many are sharing our podcast and music with their friends and family. Thank you. Each week, the number of listeners to our podcast and music goes up, and that is such an encouragement to us, and we want to thank you for listening to our music. We appreciate that so much. Today, we're looking at a song by Edward Mote that examines the foundation of our faith. Where does our hope of salvation come from? Is there something I could do to obtain this salvation? Can we lose our salvation? What do we need to do to keep it? The song goes, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. And every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me with with whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he, he then is all my hope to stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne. My hope is built on nothing less is both the title and the first line of the hymn, which was one of Edward Mote's wonderful lyricists to Christian collections, published in 931 hymnals. This tune has since touched many Christian hearts as they lay, as they listen to it and sing it. Founded on lyrics that exclude hope and assurance that God will be with us until the end, and although we may travel on rough roads, we have countless trials and troubles. He serves as a solid rock we can cling to. Christ is our sole means of salvation. Our only hope is truly built on nothing less than Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less. First stanza declares God's grace. Stanzas two and three concern the application of that grace in times of trouble. In the final stanza, Moat brings his hymn full circle with the ultimate realization of God's grace. Edward Moat was born in Upper Tom Street, London, January 24, 1797. Edwards fall into the rare category of hymn writers who grew up without religious training and whose parents were pub owners. He was apprenticed at a young age by his parents to a cabinet maker, but accepted Christ when he heard the preaching of John Hyatt at the Trottenham Court Road Chapel in London at age 15. Living in Southwark, near London, 
he established a successful cabinet-making enterprise and became a Baptist minister in 1852 at age 55 years of age. He ministered for 21 years at Strict Baptist Church in Horsham, Sussex, where he died on November the 13th, 1874. Singing hymns was of great interest to him. The master cabinet maker became a prolific hymn writer, composing more than a hundred hymns. He published his hymns with selections by others in 1836 in Hymns of Praise, a new selection of gospel hymns. Hymnologists note that this is the first time the now common term gospel hymn appears. It's amazing to know the story of how such inspiration began with a dying woman. Fresh from his writing, this hymn was first sung by Mote to a dying lady. This is the story of the circumstance whereby the hymn, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less, was written. Explaining the writing of this hymn, Mr. Mote spoke to a Gospel Herald reporter. One morning it came into my mind as I went to labor to write a hymn on the gracious experience of a Christian. As I went up Holborn, I had the chorus, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That same day, I had four first verses completed and sent them off. On the Sabbath following, I met Brother King as I came, to, came out of Leslie Street meeting, who informed me that his wife was very ill and asked me to call and see her. I had an early tea and called afterwards. He said that it was his usual custom to sing a hymn, read a portion, and engage in prayer before he went to a meeting. He looked for his hymn book, but couldn't find it anywhere. I said, I have some verses in my pocket. If he liked, we would sing them. We did, and his wife enjoyed them so much that after service he asked me, as a favor, to leave a copy of them for his wife. I went home and by the fireside composed the last two verses as I wrote all the rest of it, and then took them to Sister King. As those verses so met the dying woman's case, my attention to them was more arrested, and I had a thousand printed for distribution. I sent one to Spiritual Magazine without my initials, which appeared Sometime after this, Brother Reese of Crown Street, Shaho, uh, brought out an edition of this hymn in 1836, and this was it. U.M. Hymnal editor Carlton Young notes in his companion that the hymn is of uneven quality. Indeed, the version in our hymnals today is the result of careful editing of the original six stanzas into four, choosing the most coherent lines from the original. We can quickly see how the best lines of Mote's two original stanzas were combined to make a much more articulate whole in the stanzas cited at the beginning. The foot-stomping tomb was composed by American gospel song composer William Bradbury, a fellow Baptist, for Mote's text in 1863, 
and appeared during the Civil War, American Civil War in Bradsbury Devotional Hymns and Tune Book in 1864. In 1852, at the age of 55, Edward finally entered a full-time ministry. He became the pastor of a Baptist church in Sussex, where he preached for over 20 years and was much loved. Because Edward had helped to secure the building for the church, the members offered to give him the deed to the property. Edward declined the gift, saying, I do not want the chapel, I only want the pulpit, and when I cease to preach Christ, then turn me out of that. Edward faithfully preached the gospel until 1873, when his failing health required him to resign. He died the following year and was buried in the churchyard. The message this song communicates is despite our trials and tribulations, we can still trust the Holy Spirit's leading and Jesus above everything else. Christ is the chief cornerstone, the foundation by which our salvation, faith, and righteousness derive. There is no foundation, frame, or name by which we can be saved. It is only through the shed blood, perfect Jesus, that makes salvation possible. We depend on the promised Holy Spirit Along with the foundation that is Jesus, under the new covenant for support, we will one day enter into this heavenly kingdom, dressed in white and having put on the Lord Jesus, not because we are good, but because he is righteous. My hope is built on nothing else than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest fame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. In this verse and refrain, it refers to the two foundations of solid rock and sand. In 1 Corinthians three ten through 11 we read, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. And in Matthew seven twenty four through 27, we read, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built on the house, built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and bent upon the house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. And every one that hath heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Then Jesus' blood and righteousness found in Romans 5, 8 through 9. But God proves his love for us, that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now than we have been justified by his blood, 
will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, All others will fail like quicksand. For other foundations can no man lay that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 2, 19 and 22, we read, Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the households of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all who built fitly framed together growth by a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for habitation of God through the Spirit. Song continues, When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace, and every high and stormy gale anchor holds within the veil. Despite the stormy dark weather where God seems absent, we still trust God whose grace is unchanging. He's faithful when we are not because he cannot de de deny himself. Second Timothy 2.13 If we believe not yet, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. The concept of praising God in the storm shows up a lot in Psalms too as we read such as in Psalms 22, Psalms 10, and Psalms 80. My anchor holds within the veil is found in Hebrews six seventeen through 20. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever. Melchizedek. Also we find these words in Matthew twenty-seven fifty through 51 And Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn into two, two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rock split. In the same way that an anchor prevents its ship from being swept away from wind and waves, Christ is the hope that secures us when we face the unknown. Jesus is the pathway that brings us through the Old Testament veil that separated us from entering God's presence. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. It glorifies Jesus through its focus on Jesus as foundational to our faith. His shed blood that saves us and his triumphant second coming where we will be found dressed in white. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, in Ephesians 1, 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, On Christ the solid rock I stand, 
All other ground is sinking sand. The Greek word for rock in this passage is Petra. Petra is a huge mass of solid, concentrated rock rising up through the earth, such as a projecting cliff. When darkness fails his lovely face we find in Second Corinthians four, three through four, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For it is God who said, Let the light shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 and 6. I rest on his unchanging grace. We find these words in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. His oath his covenant, his blood. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy earth. God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I make between you and me and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds and it's a sign of the covenant between me and the earth, as we read in Genesis 9, 11 through 13. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin, in Matthew twenty six twenty seven through 28. He then is all my hope and stay refers to Hebrews 6, 19, where the author describes hope as an anchor for the soul. The dictionary defines a stay, a noun, as a large, strong rope, usually of wire which supports a mast. The term stay in Middle English dated to before the 12th century. The hymn writer makes the point that Jesus Christ is not only our, our hope, but also our stay, providing support and stability through all our life storms. When he shall come with trumpet sound, we find in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, which says, For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Dressed in his righteousness alone, we see in Isaiah 61:10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as the bride adorns herself with her jewels. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe, 
And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. For many are called, but few are chosen, in Matthew 22, 11-14. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, in Galatians 3, 27. Faultless to stand before the throne. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 11-15, For no one can lay a foundation other than the one that is laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, If anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible in that day, will disclose it, because it'll be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the sort of work each has done. If what he has built on a foundation survives, the builder will receive the reward. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but only as through fire. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil, in 2 Corinthians 5.10. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes who has sent me has eternal life and does not come under the judgment but has passed from death to life john 5:24 jesus said only one thing is necessary for salvation believe on the lord jesus christ and that thou shalt be saved what did he mean by believe doesn't everyone believe in jesus the bible says even the devil believes and trembles The belief definition Jesus is talking about is coupled with repentance. It comes with the realization that things won't work out the way they are going. A belief that brings about a change in our attitude. It must be heartfelt and life-changing. Otherwise, it is faith with a flaw that failed from the first. Yes, Linda. It needs to come from after God's conviction of sin. The convicted person must realize that God is a just God whose character cannot tolerate sin. We could, he, not, we could not coexist in God's presence with sin in our lives. You might say, why should I have to believe? I'm not that bad. Never hurt anyone. Been in church all my life. Never miss a meeting. Baptized. Always tied. Maybe held positions in the church. Still others say, that's just too simple. Everyone knows we have to do something or pay for something we get. Nobody gets something for nothing. It's just the way we do things. Then I've heard people say, I'm going to get my life straightened out, get into church, and get saved. It doesn't happen that way. First, there is nothing you could do to save yourself. Anything you can do is insufficient. My friend, what's your excuse? What hinders you? My dad witnessed to a neighbor when he was in the hospital dying of cancer. He'd been an agnostic all his life. 
And he told my dad that he was not going to change now because that would make him a hypocrite. He died right there. He wasn't a hypocrite. But unless something happened that we don't know about, he went right straight to hell, right there. If you, if you could not come to God in the present, you know you probably never will. There is always an excuse. You might not sense the urgency of my question, but think back when the twin tires were attracted and destroyed. Do you realize that's been over 20 years? Time gets away from it, doesn't it? Now think of this. When was the last time you started to do something important? You got distracted. And perhaps you had a project in your hand, laid it down, the answer to the door, the phone, and you forgot it. Maybe it never got done. Then on the day when that project was due to be done, oh dear, you remember, and it's too late. It's God is bringing to your mind that if you, is God bringing to your mind right now that if you died, you wouldn't know for sure where you'd go? Have you been putting off making it a, talking to him about this? Jesus said, I come that you might know that you have everlasting life. He didn't say yes or hope. He said that you might know you have eternal life. We do not know how much time we have before God calls us from this life. God is appointed once for man to die. Death is certain. It could be instant. It could come at a time when we put things off and not done the things that we knew we should have. We were hindered like a man that daddy was witnessing to on his deathbed. You don't know your mental condition for tomorrow. Here is something you do know. You have right now. You have this second. You can get this taken care of once and for all. Only a fool would take a chance on something this important. Is God dealing with you right now? And you know you need to respond to him. Please do it right now. Tell him you know you deserve everlasting punishment. Tell him you're thankful that Jesus came, suffered your punishment on the cross. Receive his free gift of salvation. Trust him and him alone with your eternity. Do it right now. Boundless here forgiven do. My hope is built on nothing less. Changing grace in every heart. 
so much for listening to our podcast today. We trust it was a blessing to you. It makes our day when we hear someone that was blessed by our podcast for music. We'd love to get an email from you. Just send it to glenn.dawson at glenn.dawsonea.com That's G-L-E-N-N dot Dawson at Glenn G-L-E-N-N DawsonEA.com You can find all our information on our website at www.glendawsonea.com In addition to our email, you can find information about our Facebook page and Twitter information. You can also find links to our index of all our podcasts and links to all our music on YouTube. We hope you will enjoy those. And remember now, we love y'all. God be with you. And bye for now.